my brother took my mic away from me because I keep leaning into it like I'm using it. Appreciate that. So we have officially came through our um, series we've been running through for a long time now. I know at least a month and a half. Um, which was necessary, you know, to uh, understand what it is to be a Christian and where we're going with this thing and uh, what the fruitful growth of faith is and what uh, God expects us to do and be in this earth. And, um, you know, there is a prescribed goal for your life, you know. Um, um, so it takes time to go through things like that and really uh, dive into it to the best of our ability. brotherly kindness and uh, things of that nature. So, how is everybody doing today? We good? Set up well. Well, I love all of y'all. Glad to have Bob and Miss Mag. Glad to have you guys back here today. And glad to have our guests. Look, you got your help back here, don't you? So anyways, let's uh, get into this word. First, I'm going to pray for us as well. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much just for the opportunity to come together in your name and meditate on your word, Lord God. I pray that you just anoint this word, Lord God. Give us uh, a corporate anointing, Lord God. Give us an understanding and a wisdom and a knowledge to know your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So, um, I decided to uh, label this message, Lessons for the Blessed and Anointed. Uh, and there's so many messages about blessed and anointed, you almost have to get up here and preach all the stuff that that doesn't mean uh, in a lot of ways. But, uh, man, I, I just want to focus on the Word, you know, because the truth is we are blessed and anointed. No matter how uh, how many false messages are preached about it or how many... Uh, right message for you. It's true. We are blessed and anointed in Christ Jesus. Uh, can I get an amen? Uh, so we're going to um, break this down for a second. How many knows what anointing is? It's a, a word that we hear often. Um, but the depth of it doesn't really get explained much. Not that I'm going to go super deep. Uh, but I want to explain where this word comes from. Are y'all with me? Got to get my are y'all with me today. The origin of the word anointed comes from a life of ancient shepherds. When God speaks to His people, He speaks to His people in ways that they can understand. Correct? So a lot of the terms used in the Bible are about farming and shepherding. The Israelites were both farmers and shepherds. So most of the Bible is explained in these terms. Sheep would often get lice being out in the open field and the lice could actually get into their ears and their eyes and kill them. This was a real problem uh, for somebody whose wealth is in sheep and cattle and things of that nature, right? Uh... So apparently there's some killer lights out there that you know, us uh, Americans might not know about, right? Uh, so a shepherd protecting his flock would pour oil on their head and smear it all over their coats. And this would keep these field lights or whatever kind of lights they were away from them. Uh, it became a symbol for blessing and protection and empowerment. Uh, and we know in spiritual terms, it came symbolic for the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? The word chero, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to spell it for you. C-H-I or C-H-R-I-O. Means to anoint, to smear or rub with oil. There's another word that is aleatho, A-L-E-T-H-O. Which means 
to anoint or chosen one. How many knows that uh, Jesus Christ is not Jesus' first and last name? Christ is actually a title. Messiah is also a title. You'd agree, right? Jesus the Messiah. Um, so, when you say Jesus Christ, you're not saying his first and last name. What you're saying is the anointed one. Are you with me? The term Christ is the anointed one. Uh, and the reason it's so significant in these times because they were prophesying of a time where a prophet would come, a Messiah would come, and whoever didn't listen to him would be utterly cut off. Are you with me? Uh, so they were always waiting for this Messiah, this anointed one. So the term Jesus Christ is about Jesus, the anointed one. So you can have uh, 20 Jesuses in that time, but there was one who was the Christ, the Christos, right? The anointed of God. Uh, and even Jesus himself springs off saying, I was anointed. Uh, and he's, he's paraphrasing from uh, Isaiah. Uh, 60, chapter 61, I believe. He, he said, I was sent forth to proclaim the gospel. I was anointed to heal the sick and uh, bring good news to those who are broken and oppressed. Right? So uh, he is the anointed one. So what do you assume it means to be called Christian? Right? Christian. You know, we, we use these terms so often, but we're also the anointed one. He's the head. We are the body. Are you with me? And remember that this oil gets poured on the head and then smeared over the whole body. Are you with me? So the uh, anointing actually flows from the head. I picked this picture because it actually shows a shepherd with a ram's horn pouring oil on his sheep's head. Uh, so I just wanted to give you some background into understanding why it's important to understand what the word anointed means. In the New Testament, it has become symbolic for the Holy Spirit. Uh, and those who are chosen, those who are protected, right? Someone say, man, it's a good thing to be anointed. Good thing we're anointed, right? We're the body of Christ. Anointed, which means we have a shepherd. Jesus Christ says, I am the good shepherd. Are you with me? And uh, he says, my sheep will hear my voice, and they will follow me. They will not follow another. They don't know the voice of strangers. How many knows a good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep? Uh... You know, a hireling uh, will, at the uh, sight of danger, will run away. Jesus was the good shepherd. Are you with me? So, in all of this crazy uh, going on in the world, we actually are still the blessed, anointed, and chosen. We have divine protection in Christ Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes you got to uh, get that uh, lice out your eyes. And in your ear, out of your ears. Are you with me? We got to start looking at Jesus in all things. So, I don't know how much uh, I've been studying about the ancient shepherds and uh, a lot of their ways and how they do things. And uh, the songs that we chose today were forever good ones. Uh, because we, we think of the parable of uh, Jesus who, who will leave the 99 to come find the one, right? Praise God, that one was me, and it was you, and everybody else who was lost. Are you with me? Uh, and when I say, uh, you know, this is lessons for the blessed and anointed, I say it with another understanding that most possibly people might not get. Because what I'm not saying is that you're not going to have pain in this world. What I'm not saying is, is uh, that everything's going to be perfect and awesome your whole life. Are you with me? Actually, on the contrary to those things, Jesus says, 
If they hated me, they will hate you also. Are you with me? Jesus himself was despised and rejected. Are you with me? How many know the servant is not greater than his master? So, uh, what I'm not saying is that we're going to have this cush life all the time where things are going good all the time and we never have any problems. Well, that's just not true. What is true is we have a shepherd who leads us. Somebody say leads us. Through the valley of the shadow of death. Correct? So we're going through the valley. Right? So I just wanted to uh, let you come to understand that really on the contrary, to be the anointed of God, there's a good chance you're going to experience rejection. You're going to experience Failure or, or, or opposition. Let me not say failure, but opposition in a lot of what you do in life. And as a matter of fact, hey, we've got to let go of this false perception of what everybody thinks and feels about us. You know, and, and God gives us a call to go preach the gospel. And, you know, he, he sent his disciples out. And he's, he sent them to these different cities and anointed them to preach the gospel. But he says, guess what he said? If they don't receive you in this town, what's that mean? That means they, they rejected them. He said, just dust off your feet and go to the next town. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than those people. Are you with me? So we should be highly schooled in rejection. We should understand that not everybody's going to receive what we say. You know, we, we have to get out of this plastic bubble of humanity and, and always caring because that is one of the biggest flaws of the Christian world today. We want the whole world to love us. And if you're the anointed of God, it would be contrary to the Word of God to believe that the whole world's going to love you. They're going to despise you and reject you. Somebody say, that's okay. Because I got a daddy. I got a shepherd. A good, good shepherd. So uh, I really want to start in Psalms chapter 2, verse 2. And I'm going somewhere with this, as usual. Psalms, and if I yell, I'm sorry. I got a little high a second ago. Psalms chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, and before I dive into this, I want to explain some things to you. Uh, how many are familiar with rejection? Uh, you know, I've experienced rejection continually, but I'm going to tell you, most of the time it's because I and myself, my attitude brings me into uh, places of being rejected rather than humbling myself and going as Christ. Because there is a Rejection without cause. They what they hate without cause. See, me personally, I've, I've experienced rejection in different places, uh, but most of that is because of my dysfunctional character, that not renewing my mind in the Word of God, and of course you're going to be rejected. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I'm not talking about that here. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you a different story, but... What I'm talking about here is somebody whose heart is absolutely pure. They will be hated by the world. Are you with me? Um, and, and, and I'm explaining it like that because we live in such a narcissistic world that everybody would probably, uh, oh, I'm, I'm rejected, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, everybody does everything to me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, which is in the case, I mean, this is a cold world. We know that, right? But sometimes rejection is because uh, of our character default. Are you with me? But I'm teaching you about another rejection. That is that of spiritual things. The anointed of the world are despised and rejected among the world. And it's uh, Psalms chapter 2, verse 2. 
How many of y'all still with me? Y'all still rolling with me? Y'all still Christian, right? I don't want to run y'all away. Jesus wasn't scared to run nobody away. He really wasn't. Uh, me, I'm not Jesus. I'm trying to be. You feel me? Psalms chapter 2, verse 2. It says, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Uh, Go to chapter 3. This is David speaking. You know, uh, David was the king of Israel, the anointed king of Israel. Uh, But he says this, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they. Somebody say, many are they. Who say of me, there is no help for him in God. He said, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the one who lifts me up or lifts up my head. I cried to you, the Lord, with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. He says, I lay down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Listen, this is my favorite part. He says, I will not be afraid of 10,000 people who have set themselves against me all around me. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Uh, I just wanted to point out the fact that David himself was the anointed of God. But he was continually rejected. As Jesus Christ was rejected. He was continually uh, uh, had opposition throughout his whole life. But let me explain something to you. You know, David, and, and I think I went over this before. David uh, was a young boy, the youngest of his brothers. And his own daddy did not even expect highly of him. Or think highly of him. When Samuel the prophet came to anoint David king of Israel. He didn't know he was looking for David. Uh, But David's daddy, Jesse, goes to get all the boys except for David. Left out in the field because surely not David, right? So as he's traveling down this line of brothers, he's like, this ain't the one. This ain't the one. You know, they were strong, handsome, and good-looking. They even fought in uh, Saul's army, you know. Surely this is the king. And God says, no, 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 no. You look at the outward appearance of man, but I look at his heart. And what I see in this passage, number one, I see that David was rejected from the beginning. This was the environment David grew up in. He was highly misunderstood. Are you with me? Uh, But you know, David was out in the seat a lot of his life. Uh, And I I actually want to go to 1 Samuel real quick, 17. And I want to read something to you because I want you to see uh, David's life here real quick. And we're going to start in verse 17. Because this ain't fair, man. So this is after he was anointed, if I'm not mistaken. It says, Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brother at the camp. Hey, praise God. And carry these ten cheese to the captain of the thousands and see how your brothers fare. So his daddy is sending him on a mission to check on his brothers, right? He's telling him these things, like bring this stuff, do this. And he says, bring back the news of them. 
So listen closely. So Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Aleah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, obeying his father, every word of it. Are you with me? Left the sheep with the keeper. I love how it tells you what happened. He left the sheep with the keeper and took the thing and went as Jesse commanded him. So he's just doing what his daddy told him to do, right? Uh, if you'll turn over to 1728 real quick, I want you to see what happens when David actually shows up. And it, and it really reflects what's going on in this household a lot. Uh, it says, Now when Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's, these are his brothers, sorry, I've skipped a lot of it. Uh, Elab's anger was aroused against David. So David is bringing some stuff to his brothers as his father commanded him, uh, and his brothers' angers were, were, were aroused against him, and he's just doing exactly what his dad told him to do. Was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? So this is the question his brothers asked him. Why did you come down here, David? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Are you with me? His daddy uh, just told him exactly to do all this, and it explained that he left those sheep in the care of a keeper, right? Here's my favorite part. He says, I know your pride. This is David's brother talking to David. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see a battle. So you can imagine like this whole scenario. You know, these are David's three older brothers that are out in King's Court. Uh, Solomon, they're looking at this giant that's been taunting them for like 40 days or, you know, how many ever days. And they're like, David, you came down. I know what's in your heart. You're full of pride. You came down here to see a battle. Uh, you know, why are you here, David? Uh, why, why, why did you come here? So this is the environment right before... You know, we know the story that he drops the giant, right? But listen to what David says. Dude. This is hilarious. Then David, uh, hold on, hold on. I know the instantly heart. And David said, what have I done now? Isn't that so typical? What have I done now? You know what I'm saying? Is this not just family? You know, I could just see this, like a natural family in this. David is the one who always is doing something wrong, but he's not. You know, he's just trying to do what he's told to do. But he's always misunderstood. He's rejected. But I just love it. They're doing what, you know, what warriors do best. They're out there shaking in their boots, you know, because of this giant. David is just obeying his father. He's going and doing what his father told him to do. And his brothers are like, I know why you're here. Yeah? You know what I'm saying? He was rejected by his brother. He was rejected by his father. And he's like, what have I done now? How many know David probably enjoyed being out in the field with the sheep? You know, rejection is not a bad thing because I've found it very common in the Bible, uh, uh, this rejection that's experienced amongst, amongst the men of God. They commonly know. The issue with today is we don't know where to turn in our rejection. See, we're, we're still hurt and wounded because the whole world hates us, praise God. But you don't understand that's such a blessing because the beautiful thing that come out of David being rejected his friends were those sheep and was God. So while everything else is still moving in, in fast motion, David is out in the, the sheep with his friend, or out in the field with his friends. These sheep, you know, he's a good shepherd. You know, I'm sure they were real oiled up and taken good care of. But, you know, he's out there writing songs and singing to God. And this is why his daddy didn't understand. But how many knows that God, was with David out there. And God said, I chose a man after my own heart. You look at the outward appearance. But see, 
David was all alone with his sheep, probably just feeling rejected by the world. He actually fit in with those sheep. Are you with me? He actually, uh, man, he loved, he probably loved it because if, when he went home, he's probably dealing with his older brothers and, uh, you know, he probably enjoyed it. But he would write music out there and sing his little harp and do his thing. He was already an anointed harpist by the time he ended up in the palace of Saul. So I'm just trying to put those pieces together that he was probably out there praising God. And we know from his own words that when the uh, lion came, <laughs> he wasn't no hireling. He killed it. He killed the lion and the bear. He's a good shepherd. Are you with me? Because those sheep were his friends. And a good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. But I'm, I'm explaining these things to you because I want you to understand that uh, even David, we look at somebody like David and we're like, man, I wish I could just be like David. You know, the glory of the Lord, everything's so marvelous and awesome and great and wonderful. But that was not the case. 90% of the time he was being... Rejected, on the run, running for his life. Are you with me? But how many knows that's not always a bad thing? Because that right there is what keeps people close to God sometimes. How many knows that God was raising David up? He could have got rid of Saul altogether, but he did not do that. He used Saul. To be David's opposition to train him up, right? It took a long time to become the king, even though he was anointed king. Psalms chapter 23, verse 5. I've only got a few more scriptures. But I really want to bring this home to you. Uh, Psalms chapter 1. Hold on, what did I say? 23, verse 5. Now, obviously, this is David. Uh, if I can find it, praise God. Psalm 23, verse 5. Say amen if you got it. David is writing a song here to God. This is what these are. These are songs. And listen to what, what his words are here. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And what I want you to understand is that God didn't eliminate all uh, the enemies uh, right when David became king and whatever. You know, he uh, literally, he's explaining that in the midst of his enemies, God anoints his head with oil. Are you with me? Symbolizing divine protection, you know, symbolizing, uh, you know, this same symbology between a sheep and a shepherd. Are you with me? Uh, you know, he says he prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Are you with me? Uh, Psalms 133, verse 3. I mean, verse 1. Uh, and so, this is David. Is this David? Mm, yes, this is David. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, I want you to see this symbology here. Someone said, we're going somewhere. He said, Behold, how good and pleasant it is in unity. Listen. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron. 
running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion. For the Lord commanded the blessing, life and forevermore. Uh, so if you don't know who Levi is, what do you say, Levi? Aaron. Aaron is uh, the, the, the head of the priesthood, right? But he's saying for the brethren, that's us, the body of Christ, to dwell together at that time, it was Israel, the sheep, right? To dwell together in unity, it is like the oil that is poured on the head and flows down its beard to the body. Are y'all with me? That's good stuff. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, like just like the brotherly kindness message, God is severely involved with our interactions with each other. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, sometimes in this Christian world, it's hard to even be in fellowship with people. You, sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? Some people are harder to deal with than others. I can be that guy sometimes. I know. I apologize. I love you. You with me? But we are given specific instructions on how to uh, operate as the body of Christ. And if we're not following those instructions, we're not heeding the word of God. And if we don't learn how to follow those instructions, dude, we're going to experience turmoil and chaos often. But let me tell you something. That dwelling together in unity is like the oil flowing from the head, which is Christ, the priesthood. And it's what? That's smearing it all over the body. Are you with me? Uh, so it's a very interesting thing how the Bible is always teaching these shepherds and farmers. We probably learned a lot more about the kingdom of God if we actually just forsook everything we knew now and become shepherds and farmers, right? Because we would learn along the way. Praise God. But God is teaching these people things in, in languages they can understand. Right, So it does always benefit us to go back and understand their culture and uh, understand what, what anointing is and what that means. But, you know, Christ was the anointing. Are you with me? He's the head. We are the body. So we are the Christian or Christian. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse... How y'all doing out there? We're going to be all right? Let's see. Oh, we're good. Y'all good? First Corinthians chapter 12. You know, we can't fix the world uh, and expect the world to be like Jesus Christ. Do y'all understand that? Something I tell people often who get wounded and, and hurt, and I'm, I probably said it to you a time or two, uh, when people do you wrong or don't do you right, I'm like, you can't expect the world to be like Jesus Christ. Right? You know, but we can change how we are. We can, by faith and trust in the Lord and the Holy Spirit, be conformed into the image of Christ. Are you with me? And just like in this church right here, we can't fix the whole entire world. But praise God, we can get it right right here. Are you with me? Second Corinthians, or first, oh, I'm on. Yeah, man. All right, we're getting there. First Corinthians 12. I went to second Corinthians. 12. 12. Whereas the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body are one. Being many are one body. So also is Christ. So also the anointed. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And have all been made to drink into one spirit. 
For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, am I not of the body? So, you know, he, he's taking like what we would consider maybe lesser parts of the body, you know, and, and comparing them to more what we might value more uh, in the body. And he's saying, you know, if the foot is not the eye, where are we at? Uh, oh, no, 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 okay. It is, is it not therefore the body? If the whole body were an eye, where, were an eye, where would the, where would the hearing be? Sorry, getting twisted. If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? In other words, he's talking about different functions of the same body, right? Uh, but he's saying it's all important. Each part does its share, causes growth to the body, right? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members. Somebody say, God has set the members. Each one of them in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. So the head being the greater, I mean, you probably live without a foot. You live without your head. No need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, listen to his words here, on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have great modesty, greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, the body of the anointed, and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. And he goes through the list. The main thing I want to point out to you is that he's saying that the, 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 the parts that seem greater, the way the, desi- the body is designed is that those parts that seem less, we honor more. Are you, are y'all understand what he's saying? Like, you know, we can't say to the foot, you're not needed because you're the foot or whatever, or you, the eye can't say to the ear, you know, or, or because I'm not the eye, I'm not part of the body. That's, He's basically saying there's different functions that God has set up. God said, right? And the greater uh, that the the what the world would consider greater shall actually serve the lesser and give more honor to the lesser. See what I'm saying? And 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 that's the body of Christ. Humility. Are you with me? Right, y'all understand what I'm saying? But I brought all that to you to actually bring you here because I found this pretty interesting. And usually the gospel, when it says something, it has multiple levels of uh, revelation to it. And uh, it never ceases to amaze me because while I was studying this, I came across uh, John chapter 12, verse 3. Say amen when you get there. John chapter 12, verse 3. Listen to this, man. Remember, nothing is in the Word of God without rhyme or reason. Are you with me? Uh, And so when I read this, I thought to myself, man, there's something more right here. You tell me. 
uh, 12.3. It says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil, of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Now, you know, that that in the physical sense is, a, uh, is an honorable thing. You know, she broke this very costly perfume, which actually made Judas mad. Because he's like, man, we could have sold that for the poor. You know, whatever, whatever. But she took this oil and she didn't anoint his head. Are you with me? She anointed his feet. And then wiped his feet with her own hair. Millet. To the least part of the body. Are you with me? And then it says, the fragrance. It says, his feet with her hair and the house was filled. Somebody said the house was filled. With the fragrance of the oil. Do y'all see that symbology? Do you see that uh, when we uh, honor the lower parts, it puts the atmosphere filled with the fragrance? That's that's how church is supposed to be. That we would give honor to uh, those who humbly do what they do and are not seen. You know, unfortunately, I get this part. You know, you know, it's a it's it's a good thing. It's an honorable thing. I'm not rejecting it. I'm just saying. Um, in uh, the world standards, you know, that's like where somebody want to be in the front, right? But no, in the kingdom of God standards, it's the person in the back who does all those things and has no recognition because their reward is great in heaven. Are you with me? And uh, I really feel like we got to get out of this world mentality in the world, how it feeds us ideas and thoughts and uh, everything is exact opposite of the kingdom of God. And we've got to learn to grow in humility and love and, and grow in the body as one. And let this oil, right, flow down the head of the priest, right? And through the whole body, right? Because that's what unity is. That's what it does. Why do you think the enemy's so rampant at tearing us apart, putting one against another? Because unity is powerful in the Holy Spirit. And what does Jesus even say? We're two together. Agree on anything, it shall be done for you. Wouldn't it be the devil's goal to separate the two? What happens when 50 come together in unity? Humble before the Lord in love, agape love. Are you with me? A force. Uh, so, I'm going to end this with this scripture right here because telling you, I'll go on for a long time. And uh, I just want to teach you something that when I learned this, uh, it really, really, uh, I'm going to say six pieces, you know, I'm come down here. It really, really snaps my heart up. Because when I begin to understand uh, how the shepherd really works, I begin to understand the gospel. I begin to understand leaving the 99 to come get the one. You know what I'm saying? I begin to understand a lot of things. Have y'all ever seen the picture where uh, the lamb, the shepherd's walking around with the lamb over his shoulder? You know, and I, I've seen this uh, picture a lot, and I never really understood it to the degree I begin to understand it. I'm going to give you some background on what's going on there. Uh, the shepherd, uh, he, he he keeps a lot of tools with him. You know, he's got like this big crook thing. Surely you've seen, you've seen the thing that's got the big crook that where he pulls his sheep in or whatever. He also has a, a club. Maybe it's for wolves. Maybe it's for something else. Uh, of course, David kept a sling in a rock and he became solid with it, you know, out there in the field. But one thing that a shepherd would do, an ancient shepherd, is whenever a sheep kept running away, just continually bucking the system and going the other way, 
what the shepherd would do is actually break his leg and carry him around on his shoulder for months. And you think, well, that's cruel. That's real cruel, right? No, it's more cruel to let him run out there and get eaten by a wolf. You understand? I mean, the shepherd knows best. Are you with me? Uh, and so, so for months, you know, how many knows, uh, if you know that you're going to have to carry this sheep on your shoulders for months, man, that's some love. Not just any shepherd's going to do that, right? But I want you to know exactly how I've experienced God. Huh? Can y'all relate? I know it might not be everybody's story, but when you keep running away from God and you've been oiled down and marked, and uh, cleaned, and uh, you're one of his children, he's going to break your leg. He's going to carry you around. And how many knows that don't feel good in real life? Everything uh, is not going your way at that time. Here's another reason why being a Christian can, uh, is not pleasant sometimes, especially if you don't understand, or you're walking in the ways of the world, or you're bucking the system. Are you with me? But here's the outcome of that. What would end up happening is after this sheep's leg was broken and the shepherd would carry it around for months and months, the sheep would become so dependent on the shepherd that he would always stay right by the shepherd. Never leave his side. Are you with me? Do you see the symbology in that and how beautiful that is? Yeah, it's going to hurt. But at the end of the day, the one that was running away, and uh, God had to break his legs. Man, he sticks right next to the shepherd, and that was the whole point uh, for, for, for the shepherd to break his legs. It wasn't to harm him. It was to keep him safe. Are you with me? And, and sometimes, you know, this is how we experience God. And, and then you hear these parables like, uh, you know, the, uh, the older brother and the younger brother, and the younger brother went off and, uh, spent all his inheritance, and uh, you know, when when the father sees him, he's excited, he's glad. But the brother, oh man, he's mad. Father, I've been with you this whole time. Are you with me? He's like, man, I've been here doing good, and man, now you he, he returns and you're throwing him a party. How he knows the love of God is something different. And 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 the word of God is also a double edged sword because. A lot of us can identify with the younger brother, but sometimes we're that older brother. Praise God. Better watch the Word of God. It's dark. Are you with me? But we ought to rejoice when our younger brother comes back to the Lord. Because he was lost and now he's found. Are you with me? But the father is like telling the older brother, he's like, you know, son, you're with me always. You experience my blessing always. But how many knows that when one sinner repents, all the angels of heaven rejoice? Man, if, if you're a born-again Christian, dude, that should be a celebration. When somebody comes to God, they turn away from their sin and begin walking with God again. Right? And I'm going to tell you, out in this world... Uh, that means a lot. Because there's a lot of lice out here. There's a lot to get in your ear gate and in your eye gate that can kill you. But how many know God is a good, good father? And, and the Lord is a good shepherd. How many wants to walk right next to the Lord? Praise God. That's where I want to be. You know what I'm saying? That's where I want to be. I want to, I want to be right where God is. So I'm telling you this, uh, the lessons of the blessed and anointed. It's not always fun. It's not always, uh, you know, everybody worship me or, uh, you know, it's not this glamorous idea like the world gives you what blessed is. Are you with me? Man, sometimes that's going to cost you, but it's for your own good. Are you with me? For your own good. That when the shepherd walks, you're going to move right there with him. You don't, you don't, you don't uh, run all the way to the edge of the pack and go out into the wilderness and uh, hide for two days. You don't do that no more. As soon as uh, you start getting out of line, it's like God's on you. 
You know what I'm saying? It's for your own good. Praise God for that Billy Club. Are you with me? Everybody still Christian in here? Praise God. God says, uh, or Jesus says, uh, I send you as sheep. Amongst the wolves. So be wise as a serpent, but gentle as a dove. How many knows that God will fight our battle? It's a hard one to accept. But you've got to trust in the Lord. See, this is what David became an expert at. He knew that he wasn't fighting Goliath in his own strength. That the Lord was with him. He was fighting that battle in the strength of God. And I think a lot of times our frustration comes when we are fighting that battle on our own. And we become hard-headed. We think we got this. We uh, All kind of stuff creeps in. Uh, and God has to remind us again and again and again. And you're driving yourself crazy because you're not listening. My sheep hear my voice. Follow me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much just for uh, protecting us and blessing us and anointing us and calling us your own. Thank you so much just for all the times we've rebelled against you. Thank you for all the times you came to get us. Praise God, Lord. Uh, We we thank you uh, for everything you do in our lives. We know that you are ultimately in control and that you will lead us through the valley and guide us and cause us to lie down in green pastures next to flowing in living water, Lord God. And we thank you so much that we don't have to do this on our own. We thank you so much that uh, all we've done, even though we were enemies against you, that your love still came for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.